From the US to Europe, an international podcast breaking down structured credit one tranche at a time. Welcome to The Last Tranche, Credit Flux's bi-monthly podcast discussing CLOs and all things structured credit. I am your host and reporter with Credit Flux, Hugh Minch. Hello and welcome to The Last Tranche. US CLO issuance is approaching 4 billion since the start of April as the primary market rebounds following a volatile period in March. But without a significant new issue calendar on the loan side, is the primary market on a sustainable footing and how attractive do these investments look to potential equity investors? And where is the best relative value in the market today? Here to discuss, I'm joined by Dan Coe, Principal and Portfolio Manager at Eagle Point Credit Management. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Hugh. Excited to be here. So taking the primary market on its own first, how are you perceiving the opportunity in CLO equity today? Yeah, I guess in terms of the new issue market, I mean, Eagle Point is one of the largest third-party CLO equity investors in the world, in our opinion. And we haven't made a true third-party new issue equity investment in over nine months. Um, when we look at kind of the Q1 CLO new issuance, I think that about approximately 85% of that was driven by collateral managers, kind of captive funds. So, I mean, these these captive funds largely in part can only do new issue, you know, whereas uh, investors like ourselves, like Eagle Point, can go where we see kind of the best value. Um, I guess the other issue with a lot of these captive funds is that there's a massive agency problem in that the collateral manager is somewhat less sensitive to returns and uh, they'll kind of print a new CLO even if it doesn't as it has the benefit of turning on their fee stream and so we've started to see a lot of underperformance in these captive funds that have driven a lot of the new issuance uh, year-to-date and um, you know what started really as a, a as an answer to a regulatory problem has resulted in you know investors in these captive funds receiving suboptimal returns you know, I'll add that also just the other 15% of new issues that were driven by somewhat um, tourist investors or it was kind of warehouse termouts. Like, I, I don't believe that there are many third-party equity investors like ourselves who find the new issue market today to be very attractive and instead find much better value in, in secondary. Uh, were there any deals in particular where you looked at it and thought you you know maybe you were surprised that what, you know that deal made it over the line? I wouldn't expect you to name anything, but you know were there any examples that sort of stick in mind to you? Yeah, I mean when we look at the new issue models of some of these kind of lower tier collateral managers out there, and we put it into our models, I mean we see expected returns in the call it six to seven percent range now. Keep in mind that SOFR is right now in the low five percent range. I mean, I mean the six to seven percent is you know equivalent to kind of a yield on a AAA investment, and that's obviously at the top of the stack. Like, could you imagine that the AAA is yielding more than the equity? So, I mean, if I had to buy new issue, and you know, to, to be clear, we're not really buying new issue debt either. Um, if I had to buy new issue, I think I'd rather buy new issue double Bs. Um, which have a low mid-teens yield to maturity and probably on a yield to call basis gets you to kind of the mid-high teens, which is, you know, nearly double some of the returns of these kind of lower tier collateral managers' equities. 
Yeah, I'll come back and ask you a bit more about your view on the debt market in a moment. But generally, there's a bit of a push and pull effect with regards to equity arbitrage, right? I mean, when it looks good, you get a lot of firms rushing to print, which then pushes liabilities wider. Is that the case, do you think, here? Is there, has there been this push and pull effect? And is it likely to uh, resolve itself in a satisfactory way? Or do you think there's other sort of trends and dynamics? I know you mentioned the dedicated equity capital already, but that have potentially made the uh, made CLO equity on the new issue side so it's less attractive in a, in a way that's more structural? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are really kind of two factors at play here, right? Um, you know, when the a lot of these captive funds are printing uneconomic deals, you know, there's nothing that's forcing the AAAs to really tighten their levels or to, to move to a more economic level uh, where the CLO equity arbitrage um, works. So, you know, as long as they keep getting hit, you know, they either, you know, stay at the same level or widen out their AAA levels. You know, the other factor is that typically CLO AAA levels just seem to lag the move in, in loans and just don't seem to move enough to offset, um, I guess, the move in loans. And kind of we saw that this start to play out in July of last year. You know, we saw loans start to rally into the second half of 2022. But we saw AAAs actually widen from 180 to 220 for kind of the top tier collateral managers. So you think about that. I mean, we, we've lost kind of that 40 basis points, that difference in AAA spreads despite loans kind of being up. And so it, it's really hard to make the, the equity arbitrage work when, when you, know, you have loans move up. So that works against you. And then AAAs widen out, which again works against you. You know, if, if AAAs. Um, were to move 40 basis points tighter with loan prices staying flat today, I think you know that probably would lead to uh, more third-party equity investors coming in back to the new issue market. Uh, you said nine months it's been since um, you made a new issue market investment. When was the last time really that you thought that the return profile for CLO equity was generally attractive for most deals? Yeah, I mean, for new issue, I'd say that was probably the first half of 2022. Um, and I guess the lag effect of CLO AAAs actually benefited um, the new issue market then because, you know, loan prices were falling faster than AAA levels were widening out. Well, you know, whereas today, I mean, we really do find the best relative value within the, the secondary market, and that's largely where our efforts are focused. I mean, when we look at the kind of the basis and returns between the new issue market and the secondary market, we think that there's a roughly an 800 basis point pickup in yield for top tier uh, new issue, uh, sorry, top tier secondary equity. And, and it goes as wide as a thousand basis points plus for non-tier one equity. Now, obviously, these are not clean portfolios that we're buying in the secondary, but, you know, we can all kind of use our models to haircut the problem assets in these season portfolios. And, you know, ultimately we do value having as long of a reinvestment period as possible, you know, because the reinvestment period ultimately allows a collateral manager to offset any losses from defaults with discounted purchases. But, you know, there's plenty of kind of longer reinvestment period equity in the secondary market. And we'd rather buy, buy that with, um, I guess, a what we think to be kind of 20 plus percent sort of yields than something that's kind of in the low sing, uh, double digit sort of returns for a new issue equity. 
So that's a really interesting point about 800 basis points um, spread pickup. That's clearly a substantial amount. When you're looking at the secondary market opportunity today, is there a profile of deal that generally looks um, best given where the market is right now? You've already mentioned the manager tiering, but other factors including uh, you know what vintage the the deal was priced in, or the other other numbers that the market looks at that are important when looking at the secondary market. Yeah, I mean, getting the collateral manager um, is the most important kind of fact. You know, you got to make sure that the collateral manager is picking the right credits and making the right relative value trades for the underlying portfolio. Because you know, without that, really, the the CLO structure um, or CLO equity will, will have suboptimal returns. But uh, once you've picked the, the right collateral manager, um, and, and that obviously is not a non-trivial task, we generally like having as long of a reinvestment period as possible, uh, like I mentioned. Um, you know, why is that? It's because we know that there's volatility coming in the near future. You know, I think people would not argue that uh, there's going to be more defaults and more downgrades kind of than we've observed in the past kind of 12 months. And so those are likely to pick up. but. As long as there's loan price volatility um, in that loans are trading down when there's more defaults and downgrades. I mean, think about it, I guess, when there's, let's say, 5%, 10% defaults and downgrades, you know, where do you think the price of loans is today? I mean, if today it's kind of, let's say, in the low mid-90s on the index, I mean, loans could be in the... You know the 70s 80s with 10 percent uh, and maybe even further down maybe it's 60 kind of with 10 percent defaults and so that allows the make up all the losses and you're able to buy good loans kind of in the 60s 70s 80s and you know what we've observed with clos is that they've come out of these downturns better than the going in because they were able to build par. You know, this is what we saw in 0809, and this is why the CLO asset class actually outperformed. You know, through obviously the global financial crisis, and we observed it again in 2020. Yes, this is a point I wanted to bring up as well because it's often remarked upon that the 2007 vintage of CLOs had the best equity returns, I think, ever, but certainly from the 1.0 period. Given the likelihood of the uh, global economy, the U.S. economy entering recession this year, do you think it's possible that a similar scenario plays out, or would you say that the loan market is too expensive now for there to be a significant pull to par effect? What's your view? Yeah, I mean, I guess unfortunately right now it seems like there's a very much of a bifurcated market within within loans. I mean, you have all the kind of good loans at least today trading in the high 90s, so all the high quality loans. You know, you, you can buy a little bit of discount, but not nearly enough as to when you want to go sell some of the bad loans, which are, you know, more tens of points uh, when, when there seems to be a problem with them. I mean, obviously, Packers is one that's a little more kind of relevant today, you know, traded off, you know, 15 points kind of within a day. And, you know, you, you're in the wrong credit and, and those those bad credits can 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 really hurt your portfolio and you know sometimes the the best kind of uh, replacement is in the high 90s it's generally hard to find kind of loans kind of in the 75 range or you know 65 range to to make that back and so some of it's uh, avoiding these types of problem credits but it's also you know even if you do 
it's not trying to hit a home run to make that par back. It's really just hitting singles and doubles by buying loans kind of in the mid-90s or low-90s. But unfortunately today, we've got a lot of the, the, the decent quality loans all trading around the high 90s. So it's just harder to do to make up those losses. So how are you thinking about where the CLO market develops from here? I'm thinking about later this year, this sort of the midpoint of the year or the later months, we could see Prince and Sprint's return, maybe if, if volatility continues, which I, you know, I think it probably will. There could even be CLO resets making a comeback. Are there any of these opportunities ahead that you're anticipating or that um, you're, uh, you think will sort of move the needle when it comes to the uh, attractive entry point for an equity investor? Yeah, and so like, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we're, we're 40 basis points already kind of in the hole in terms of AAA levels, roughly, given that move that we saw in 2022 where we haven't really recouped that. So I, I think that in terms of resets and refines, it just seems unlikely that we see a significant return there anytime soon unless that kind of 40 basis points magically kind of goes away and we're back to kind of you know mid-2022 sort of uh, equity arbitrage levels. Now, could there be pockets to do a printed sprint? Possibly, but uh, you really need to time it perfectly. I mean, you got to catch the liabilities at kind of the local tights, you know, for, for printing the liabilities and then, you know, hope that, you know, you have zero assets ramped and then, you know, right after pricing, the assets prices, sell, loans sell off right after pricing that you're able to kind of significantly lower than you had anticipated. And, you know, even then, I don't think it'll be a home run because um, I, I don't think that that, that, that I guess, uh, makes up the 800 basis point difference between secondary and primary. And now, obviously, God forbid, asset prices increase, then your equity return for your print and sprint will be closer to, you know, pretty much the forward yield of SOFR. Uh, or your portfolio is going to have a bunch of dicey credits because the collateral manager bought a bunch of low-priced, risky loans to to hit the ramp stats. So, you know, while we, certainly CLO equity could drop in price from here, and buying secondary CLO equity, you, you could see kind of a downturn in prices. You know, we have patient capital. You know, media, intermediate to to, to long-term kind of minded investors that uh, we know that buying at these sorts of discounted prices will ultimately result in outsized returns. I want to get your views on CLO junior debt as well, because I imagine the um, the opportunity there, given where we are with the higher rate environment, looks p pretty different from what you're seeing in the equity market. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that uh, in terms of secondary double Bs, um, I mean, these are some of the widest deals that uh, you know I've seen really in my in my career. Um, in, in that uh, you know we're buying secondary double Bs on a yield to maturity basis in the low mid teens, and I think on a yield to call basis, you know, because you have a bunch of convexity and you can pick whatever kind of call assumption that you want when the market recovers. I mean, you can get into the high teens to 20 plus percent. So, I mean, you know, I'd rather be buying secondary double Bs than certainly new issue equity um, in this sort of environment. And, and, and I guess recall that CLOs, CLO double Bs have had about a 1.08% cumulative default rate, you know, for the past, uh, call it 25 years or so, which is, you know, roughly five basis points of defaults per year, which is, 
you know, pretty negligible compared to the average kind of long-term loan default rate of about 3%. You know, and so billions of CLO MES trades per week. And, and so the benefit is that, you know, CLO double Bs, you know, this is a trade that you can put on, you know, fairly quickly and also, you know, take off fairly quickly um, if, if, uh, if this is something that you believe to be attractive. Um, and I want to touch on manager tiering as well, because you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the um, opportunity in the secondary market. It's clearly important for investors of all of all sorts, both debt and equity. Um, often, I think people think about manager tiering as you know who's got best access to the debt markets and get the tightest liability pricing. So that obviously tends to be the larger established platforms, perhaps with the more conservative management style. Is that how you think about manager tiering at Eagle Points, or are there better ways of considering it? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that the market has certainly become a lot more sophisticated in terms of collateral manager tiering. Um, you know, there are you know very sophisticated kind of analytics platforms out there, and you know we use Volatana, which we you know help develop, and you know Volatana is great at slicing and dicing all the data that we. That we have, I mean, CLOs are so rich in kind of the the data in terms of the buys and sells, the the, the styles of the collateral managers over a ver- various time periods that you can really evaluate a CLO collateral manager's performance. And so, I think that as the CLO market has matured, just having a fancy brand name kind of on your business card doesn't necessarily get you you quote unquote top tier treatment from the debt holders, you know, because we have years and years of just performance. And so, you know, I think that even amongst the, you know, top tier collateral managers that are approved by, you know, certain Japanese banks, you know, there's even there a dispersion in terms of kind of how the CLO debt that prices, you know, and, and just because you're top tier on the debt side, you know, from a certain Japanese bank doesn't necessarily mean that you're top tier, you know, for even the MES holders or even for the equity, you know, they might still consider you a bad credit manager, um, you know, despite kind of having that top tier status. And then there's plenty of kind of non top tier collateral managers who we think do great credit work, do tier one credit work, but price at a, you know, non-top tier level. And those are the, 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 the collateral managers that we're trying to buy on the debt side. And, um, you know, vice versa, you know, to the extent that they're doing good credit work on the top tier side, I mean, that makes it much more attractive, I guess, for, for the equity and that they're getting kind of the, the best pricing. I want to change subject quickly and talk about the end of LIBOR, which is um, fast approaching now. Um, that's coming up in June. Given that most of the loan market still makes payments referencing LIBOR and has not transitioned to SOFA as of yet, um, do you think the CLO market is prepared for this event or are there still any outstanding unresolved problems that you can foresee? I mean, I think on the CLO tranche market side, meaning like the liability side, you know, it seems like we're you know, generally prepared. Um, I mean, I think the CLO debt market has accepted and the equity CLO equity market has accepted that, you know, the ARC recommended CSAs is what we'll use kind of over SOFR. Um, you know, so I think there'll be a reasonably orderly transition there. You know, the, the loan market is a totally different story. I mean, only about a third of the loans uh, within the, the loan market are paying off of SOFR right now. And, 
you know, we've got uh, maybe a little over two months left before uh, we, we reach the kind of the end of LIBOR. So, I mean, the next two months are really going to be an onslaught of, of amendments. Um, you know, I think it's, a, yeah, so roughly about a trillion of loans need to be converted from LIBOR to, to SOFR. And so we'll really need the collateral managers to be focusing on, you know, these amendments when they come through, since a lot of them are negative consent. We've got to make sure that, you know, we're getting the ARC recommended CSAs um, for the underlying loans, because, you know, I, I don't think that uh, when, when the regulators were getting rid of LIBOR that they meant it to be a windfall, I guess, for all these private equity firms or these sponsors of these loans kind of being able to reprice their, their loans cheaper. I mean, it's, you know, basically the equivalent, uh, if we don't get a ARC the ARC recommended CSA, it's the equivalent of loans repricing down by 16 to 26 basis points. And, you know, that's a pretty meaningful um, repricing or kind of spread compression for the CLO equity when that, uh, when that uh, I guess that repricing is levered 10 times. Um, you know, we really do think that um, you know, the, 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 the collateral managers at least um, have started to focus on it because, you know, while it was not a focus at the end of 2022, uh, a bunch of CLO equity investors, I think, got together and realized um, that you know there wasn't there was wasn't enough focus, and all these amendments were going through with zero CSA or maybe even ten basis point CSA. You know, Eagle Point. Um, you know, I organized a call with seventy other equity investors to ensure that the collateral managers would focus on this and, and uh, push back and stop get, kind of getting bullied by the uh, the, the sponsors. And um, I'm, I'm interested to hear how um, the manager base responded to um, that, what sounds like a, a sort of coordinated push by the equity investor community. Um, but also I uh, wanted to ask you about the um, examples of loans transitioning to SOFA that you've seen already and uh, whether you think that all counterparties to the CLO um, are benefiting from the way that it's taken place so far, or do you think there's more likely to be um, some firms that are sort of winning and some firms that are losing from the way that these adjustments are going through? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I guess, the collateral managers, uh, I guess, responding to our push, I mean, they know that, you know, the equity investors are ultimately the ones that are paying their bills. And, you know, I think we've kind of put them on notice that we're watching. And that um, to the extent that they're not doing their fiduciary duty to push back on no CSA or 10 basis point CSA, you know, that could have the ultimately the effect that, you know, a lot of these third party equity investors kind of don't come back to them to do kind of new issue deals in the future. So, you know, I think, um, you know, those who really don't put up a fight, you know, could could potentially lose out on you know future ability to print CLOs. Um, and then in terms of kind of what we're seeing in terms of, I guess, the, the, the amendments, I mean, not everyone, every one of these amendments is going through at ARC. I mean, we obviously wish that they could, but sometimes, you know, you have the revolver and, and the term loan A um, and the term loan B all kind of voting as a single class. And the problem is, I guess, the revolver and the term loan A are typically owned by the banks. And, you know, these sponsors are the clients of the banks. 
And so um, I guess it's really just not worth it for them to push back on the CSA terms. And so to the extent that the revolver and term loan A are big enough size and, you know, there are enough, I guess, uh, either non-CLO holders or even CLO holders who are just asleep at the wheel, not focusing on re rejecting or objecting to a, a lower CSA, you know, some of these amendments do unfortunately make it through. Danko, Principal and Portfolio Manager at Eagle Point Credit Management. Thank you so much for joining the last tranche today. It feels like it's definitely, um, it, it could be an inflection point in the CLO market, but um, there's a lot of different ways that the market could go from here. So it's interesting to get your thoughts. So thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Hugh. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Last Tranche. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Credit Flux and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share our content.